Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Jamal Reimer, Vice President of Commercial at Sama. Now, Jamal's a big deal in the sales game. And by that, I mean, he's known as the big deal guy. Jamal's known as a mega deal guru. He cut his teeth in enterprise sales at Oracle and learned how to win the massive deals there. He's taken this knowledge with him over the course of his amazing career and gone on to win multiple, multiple $50 million deals, including multiple $50 million deals in SaaS. His prowess for the ability to navigate and win the mega deal led him to speaking on this topic at the leading conferences, podcasts, and ultimately, he's written the book on it. His book, Mega Deal Secrets, is available now, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, all of this success has led to many sales leaders reaching out to Jamal asking for help in winning the enterprise deals that can change careers and transform companies. People that didn't want to have to keep reinventing the wheel and wanted to learn the nuances of winning in these bigger opportunities reach out to Jamal almost every day. As a result, Jamal now has a community for salespeople and sales leaders who want to win bigger and win them more often. He understands the impact of working with purpose and how communities of people with the same purpose can be so impactful. I am pumped to have Jamal join us today and talk about how we can learn our skills that we need in order to advance our careers faster without having to reinvent the wheel. Jamal, I am so excited to have you join our show today. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Rob, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm really excited you would take an hour out of your time and talk to our sales leaders all around the world. Let's, uh, let's get this started by just introducing yourself and Sama at a high level before we dive into what we're going to talk about today. Why don't you tell us about Sama and what you guys do for your customers? Sure. Sama is a very niche play. It's an it's a, um, AI and ML play specifically for life sciences very overweighted toward large pharmaceutical companies. And what we do is we basically infuse intelligence into all of their clinical processes. So there's a lot of complex clinical processes when drug companies are taking 
uh, promising molecules and turning them into drugs that are ready for the market. And we infuse a bunch of those processes with intelligence through AI and ML. Dang, that sounds like a complicated sales process, man. And <laughs> yeah. I can see why, the, why, why they need you. If, if you're a mega deals guy, you know how to n- navigate those long, complicated sales cycles. I can, I can see why you're a good fit there. That's a, I'm sure that's an exciting and a, it's a really, uh, really fast growth area. As these, as these organizations are like figuring out how to bring things to market safer, faster, et cetera, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the name of the game, especially since COVID, is how do we go faster, right? Uh, th- there's, a new, uh, there's, there's a new marker in terms of how fast you can bring, bring drugs to market with how fast the vaccines hit the market. And now that's mm-hmm. having a ripple effect all throughout the industry and everybody's trying to go faster, which is where we help. Yeah, you're right. That I, I know that those things used to take a lot longer and people are now saying, let's find ways to remove some of the, the steps and get them to, to help people. That's really great interest here. And, but let's talk about you though now. Let's talk about how you got into sales. One of the things my listeners tell me they love is realizing just how much commonality we have that most didn't grow up thinking I'm going to be the next salesperson or sales leader. We're almost accidentally involved, but then we fall in love with the world's greatest profession, sales and we become intentionally successful. Can you share your story just to, at a high level with us? Yeah, I mean, the short story is um, between high school and college, my family lived in Southern Africa and we're, we're doing development work. And it was during that time that the apartheid government was, was under uh, duress from the whole world trying to shake them of those policies. And one thing that happened was that the local currency, the RAND, dropped to 25% of its original value. So all of the savings and th- that my parents were saving at that time were almost worthless. And so I basically had to pay for university on my own. Okay. I came back to the States to go to university. And in my freshman year, I was approached by a teammate on the fencing team. I was, I was, I was on the fencing team and he invited me to come to a meeting that turned out to be a recruiting event for door-to-door sales. Nice. What were you selling? Uh, study guides for a company okay. that many salespeople know about called Southwestern out of Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, long story short, I spent five summers cutting my teeth, learning how to sell by selling study guides door to door, 80 hours a week, 13 weeks every summer. What a great way to get to learn the business. And so you, you landed there and said, I'm digging this. And you dug into different parts of sales and the rest is history. Uh, well, it's, it's a longer story that I, that I don't know if we want to go into every detail, but, but the overview of that is that I bumped around for years Yeah. Um, in, in various gigs. Um, ultimately, I, I did a, I, I was a partner in a startup and that failed in 2000, 2001. And trying to figure out what I was going to do next, I wound up getting a job uh, at, a, at a software company. And it's been software sales ever, ever since. since. But the trick here, Rob, is that for a long time, I was not very successful. Hmm. I would say in the first decade of my career, it was, it was very hit or miss. And I've been, I was fired twice in a row for underperformance. And so after those two hits, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't really my gig. Maybe I should find my other, some other place in the world. 
and long story short, that became the, uh, the first experience that I had at Oracle that ultimately turned into learning how to do these really large deals. I'm so glad, <clears throat> I'm so glad you shared that back half of your story. Uh, saying that I, I, I had two times I was let go for underperformance. I bet that's a big part of why you're now successful. And uh, I'm glad you're willing to share that because if all we talked about was that, that's a great thing for the listeners of our show to be aware of. It's, it's not that we are either born successful or not. You become successful by choosing it, which is kind of what our theme of the show is going to be today, right? Right. So, so thank you for sharing that, man. Let, let's let's dive in. Let, the reason that we first started talking was, first of all, you have you have some great stuff you do on LinkedIn. You, you're someone that I see popping up, and I enjoy what you share. Uh, not too long ago, as everybody's kicking off the year, you had a really great thing you shared around purpose. And we're at a time in the year where people are setting new goals, new expectations are being made, people are introspective, and you bring out the purpose bomb, man, and, and, and it caught my attention. I'd like to start with that. You know, at any time, I think it's important, but particularly now, what made you turn to purpose and why is purpose important for a sales leader or, or anyone that's, that's working in sales? I didn't really understand the place that purpose has to play in the sales role until I had been doing it a really long time. Okay. And what had happened was the accumulated years of selling I guess I call it the old way or, or, or run rate sales, you know, lots of dials, lots of activity, lots of prospecting, uh, the basics of, you know, prospect to get a demo, maybe some discovery after the demo, you just kind of pray that they'll take your call out, you know, yeah. years of that. And it became so rote. Um, and I felt like such a, you know, gun for hire that at some point I really started not to like sales very much. And it was only through the process of learning how to do really large deals that I was kind of pulled into on one account um, that I saw kind of the other side of, you know, I was kind of pulled over this mountain and I could see over the, the Vista for the first time into this world that was very purpose driven because of the size of the deal, the impact that it had on our customer and then the impact that it had on the customer's customers, because what it was, was I've, I've been in the pharma tech industry for a long, long time. And we helped one of our customers change their processes with technology in a way that they were able to speed up the development, the approval, and the delivery of life-saving drugs to tens of millions of people. That has to be fulfilling. It, it was huge. And I, it, I didn't feel it during the sales cycle. I didn't feel it immediately after it was watching this company's performance in the clinical space, watching their stock rise, watching their impact that they had on the, the, uh, the disease that they were combating. And I thought, Holy cow, we, we actually move the needle here. And that cracked open this whole big idea of purpose on, on a number of levels, but that's kind of where it started for me. So let's sit in this for a minute, Jamal, and I want to dive into it. We've got a couple of things we're going to talk about today, but I think this is a big deal. And, and you used a term that really grabbed my attention. And when I say it, you'll probably smile. And to those people who come to Sales Leadership United afterwards and look at the video snippets, they'll, they'll see the snippet because I'm for sure putting that one in where you're 
smiling as I say this right now. You use the term gun for hire. Okay. And uh, I think we're in a gunslinger world right now where too many organizations are treating salespeople as just that. I need someone who's going to get us to our next benchmark so we can get our series B or our series C or our whatever. And, um, and, and I don't think you're alone in feeling like a gun for hire earlier in your career. I think today that mentality is there more than ever. And that's part of why you see it so easy for it to be easy, come easy, go in jobs and in companies and everywhere else. Um, can we talk about that gunslinger, that gun for hire mentality a little bit and why, it isn't necessarily a good way for fulfillment. I mean, the gun, the gun for hire is definitely an analogy that's, that's apropos. I can think of another one, which is a a needle for a junkie. You know, before you get your hit, that needle is really dang important. And either immediately after, or if you can't get your hit, that needle has no worth to you whatsoever. You throw it, you cast it aside in the street. Wow, great analogy. And I think a lot of salespeople feel that way. And a lot of salespeople are treated that way. So let's talk about why. Let's start on the salesperson side. I think early in a sales career, um, at least from my perspective, and I'm like you, I've been in the game and I've led a lot of salespeople. I've been a salesperson. I've I've had almost every sales leadership role you can have, right? I think early in the career, I'm going back to my career as a, as a salesperson. I talked my way into a job that I most certainly wasn't qualified to have. Uh, Jamal, I, 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 there's no way that there's, I can't understand why they gave me that job, to be honest with you. And, and I turned out figuring out how to do well. And that's not the point. The point is I enjoyed the feeling of getting that deal signed and watching a commission check come to me. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, this one commission check is more than what my salary for the year would have been because uh, it was re- really low salary and it was based heavily on, on what you make. And, and I got a taste for that, what that needle gives you, right? I got a taste for what that needle does for you. And I think that I became that gun for hire myself. I was like, well, okay, now this is cool. Where can I go to get the biggest bang for my sales buck? I started looking like that. And I remember getting to a point where I was feeling unfulfilled too, that I was just, I was one of those guys that was just looking to go get deals done and move on. And uh, do, do you think that, I mean, I guess my question is, how long does it take to figure out that that's unfulfilling? Can we help people? Should leaders be focused on purpose earlier? Or do we want salespeople to figure that out on their own? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I absolutely think it's a mix. I think that leadership can message it, but of course we have to, we have to live by example. So, you know, you, you, like Ian Koniak is another guy who's doing a lot on LinkedIn and he's another kind uh, enterprise guy. And, and his marquee talk is you are not your number. And that, that talk resonates with, with individual contributors very, very much. Um, but that's more the, 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 the kind of the, the messages that come down from the organization or from the, or, or from sales leadership, et cetera. But I think what you're talking about too, is the other side, which is this, the sense of being a gun for hire from the reps perspective, being yeah. kind of mercenary in their approach. And so clearly there's always going to be the shiny object syndrome of the commission check. That's, that's just always going to be there it, 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 as far as I can see into the future. But 
it it wears it, it, it's going to be a mix. Uh, sales leadership has got to infuse the mission with purpose, and it's got to be something that has some touch point within all of the individuals. And I, I mean, I, I I could I could tell stories about other other um, sales leaders that do just an, an amazing job, and one of them is one of uh, uh, Crawford Keys, who's a guy I think you should interview. Uh, all right. He's a great friend of mine. And uh, one thing that he does is he turns his QBRs into these experiences that bring meaning to what his sales team does. And what that looks like is he'll bring in somebody who has a, um, who is a, a relatively known figure who uh, has an emotionally connecting story with a cause to help people who are disadvantaged in some way, kids with a disease, people with, uh, with, with impairments, whatever. And then later in the day of that QBR, he has his guys run uh, the stairs of a football stadium to raise money for that cause. And not only that, but extend what um, the, the results of that quarter's sales performance is that the companies that they work for, or you know, his company will actually kick in to help with that cause as well. So there's, really just great examples about how we can infuse business, uh, infuse uh, meaning and purpose into what we do on the business side. All right. So let's talk about how you find your purpose. We're, we'll have a little bit of time on this and then I want to continue to shift into a couple of other things. How, how do you find what that purpose is? How, how do you figure that out? I mean, it's a journey, I'm sure, but since this is something that you're thinking about, I'd love to have you share with our sales leaders how you, how you discover that because we have people at all walks of people brand new to sales leadership, experienced in sales leadership, everything in between. How do you help find purpose either for yourself or, or help those reps on your team and their journey of finding it? In my experience, it's a continuum mm. on, on one end of the continuum. I'm, I'm really fortunate in a way. I mean, it <laughs> of being in the pharma world and how, how that I'm, I'm unfortunate because deals take forever because it's a regulated industry and they, they, it takes them forever to buy stuff. But I'm really fortunate in that, like the story that I, the story that I shared with you about finding meaning in what I did about helping this pharmaceutical help tens right. of millions of people. That's yeah. kind of obvious. So that's, that's at one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is selling office equipment or something like that. It's really hard to find a, an obvious social cause that's easy to, to connect to emotionally. So if you take kind of what's on the other end there, then it becomes something that you can recognize um, how you deal with your customers with integrity and how you live a life as a full human being by doing that. And by not only recognizing the, the performance, the sales performance of the rep, but how they engage and how that builds the, I mean, that, that's going to help on many business levels as well. It'll help the brand. It'll make the relationships more sticky because of the customer experience that you're delivering by being a, a, a rep filled with integrity. Those are kind of two extremes and there's, there's everything in between. Like, like what my, my friend Crawford does, he'll attach a very clearly emotional connection with a cause He'll, he'll, he'll take an external cause and attach it to the activities that they're doing that quarter. Wow. It's here and now it's front and center. It's very easy to identify with a, with a cause where, you know, um, uh, you know, kids with cancer and stuff like that, you, you want to jump out of your seat right now and go help them. And if that impacts behavior out in the field, 
that's an amazing, amazing combination and way to find purpose. So I, I like this for so many reasons. You just gave us a couple of examples on how you can tie what you do at work to purpose and maybe help that have the people that work with you. Maybe they can, they can find purpose in, in an extension of where you find purpose, right? I mean, I know that we can have leaders can help with shared belief. They probably can help with shared purpose. Yeah, I'll tell you what it reminds me of as I listen to you, Jamal. I don't know if you've read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Uh, founder I'm of reading it right now, actually. All right. Well, early in the book, you've already you've already read then. Uh, he was a door-to-door sales guy early on in his career, too, selling encyclopedias. And he said he was the worst in the whole company back in the late 60s, I think is when it was. And as he quit that, then his next job was selling mutual funds. And he said he did better, but he still like felt empty. Um, it was when he started selling shoes because he was a track guy. And there's a couple of paragraphs early in the book that I've marked up and I look at regularly where he said that what he realized was it was belief because he said he was driving back from a track meet where he was selling shoes and he wondered why he went from being the worst in sales to awesome at sales. It was when I was selling encyclopedias, nobody would buy from me, but when I put shoes in my trunk, I can't, I can't keep them fast enough. And he said, I realized that the difference was it was belief. I believed that if everybody ran, the world would be a little bit of a better place. Everybody would be healthier and blah, blah, blah. And he goes on to talk about how belief is contagious. So as I listen to you, you're taking me back to that. And I think that's a big part of purpose is like, what do you really have belief in? Right. And so it shouldn't just be a job. Like, can you do that? And so I think a leader absolutely can help people have that belief on a couple of levels. One is, do we believe that the mission of the company is meaningful? Two, do we believe that our company does it in a way that, you know, is, is different and, and powerful. And, and those are good ways. I, I think those are ways to help fuel purpose. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, the mission of the company can can be amazing. Uh, what can be tricky sometimes is getting everybody at the company to have the same level of passion about that uh, about that mission. If you can pull it off, it's great. It's a, it's a, it's a unifying factor. But I think a combination of all these things together is really the way to go. Let's ask one more thing on this, and let's move off. I I, I like this topic, but but I think we've done a good start on this. I love that you said the mission of the company can be part of purpose. Any insights on how you can, once you know purpose, because everybody may have slightly different purposes or you might have shared purpose. I don't really know or care what it is. Any tips on, first of all, is it possible? And if so, how do you do it? Can you make this part of your North Star, something that you kind of align to and you use for your navigation as you go through the day? Because I love what you said. You're not your number. You got to move past the number. and, And that's when you start tapping into things that, really gets into the whole person and not just the salesperson. Is it possible to use that to act as a North star and how you lead? What really comes to mind, and I know we'll get this, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later, but I have a, um, uh, a community of sellers that yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really active with. And there's absolutely a North star within this community that can also be, you, you can apply this thinking to any organization, you could consider this community to kind of be an, an organization or, or, or an affiliation. Okay. And the, it, it really kind of hits at two levels. There's what we can do together for the audience who we serve Yep. as sellers, that's our customers. And then there's what we can do for each other in this endeavor. So you start feeling like 
I'm, I'm, I'm on the team. I'm a part of a group of men and women who actually know each other and care about each other. And I've got her back and he's got my back and we are in this effort together. So it really, those are two undeniable levels that hit, I, I would say people in general, but certainly sellers, because that's the folks who I'm you know, driving the example from. The reason I like that, and this, I thought we'd be done is that now I got one more thing I want to ask you as someone that's like thinking about this and doing this, particularly in your community. And it's a perfect time to shift because that's where we're going next. As you know, if you don't have purpose, are you going to have, I'm not going to say this right, because I, I, this is like, just what I'm thinking of. I'm guessing purpose helps you get discretionary effort, but it's more than that. It's like when you hire them, you're going to get their body for however many hours or whatever it is, but now you're going to get heart and soul. You get, heart. you get the whole person discretionary. I don't want it to be mercenary. Oh, this is how you get more out of your people, but mm. they willingly give it to you because they're that conviction, that commitment different than obligation. I guess that's where I'm going. You get like to tap into the nest, the, the essence rather than like, Hey, you have an obligation to X, Y, or Z. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're going right front and center into, you know, start with why by Simon Sinek, you know, if you can grab a why that grabs people by the heart, that's when you get the whole person. I I love how you, you know, you talk, it's not discretionary uh, activity. It's the whole person. Yeah. And not until you agree and buy in to that. Why do you get that whole person? And, And I would go one step farther now that you said that Jamal, I would suggest that if you're a sales leader and you're not starting to tap that, that you are probably not getting the commitment that you're going to want. And you will see some people treating your organization as just another opportunity along the way. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So to all of our listeners, like that, this is something to sit down and think about, think about mission, think about purpose and how you start to, to bring that to part of what you do, because I think that that will, galvanize people to the organization and to you because you'll have the shared purpose instead of shared quota. <laughs> Cause those are two <laughs> different things, right? <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk about your community. There has been a real rise in communities lately. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm interested on why you think that's happening. You know, there's some premium ones, you know, people like yours, uh, you know, there's some other ones like pavilion, uh, there's some free ones like Rev Genius. I have a subscription community that people pay to be part of. It's called Sales Leadership United. Um, I, I, I just see there's this really gravitation to communities right now, um, particularly in sales. We saw it before in so different social media groupings, but I'm seeing sales like having communities popping up everywhere right now. Why do you think that's happening? Um, I Well... I'm not sure if it's happening because of this reason right now, but I'm, I'm really seeing that people want to be with other people who are like them um, or who are different from them, but we're, are doing the same thing. And there's this sense of identity that they share, but it's, it, it's, it's amazing because in my experience, community is not about color or social economic background or religion or any of that stuff. For me, it's about what we do all day, which is, which is sales, right? That, that, that's the specific example that, that I can speak yeah. to. And I think it's happening right now um, for, for a number of reasons. For one, I think 
sellers have always wanted it, but it's almost like uh, a, there's a couple of forces at play here. One is there's, there's uh, I guess you could call it the maturation of the overall business culture to look at the whole person instead of just this kind of mercenary thing. It's not just in sales. It's kind of across the board, how we deal with employees, you know, uh, starting with the why this is coming across at the corporate level, uh, the, uh, the, the triple bottom line, you know, how to take care of the economy or, or take care of the environment and our society, not just the, the, the financial bottom line. So there's this, there's this kind of more social or societal movement about being more, more open about talking about the whole person. And then there's the rise of technology, you know, zoom and podcasts and, um, uh, slack are the bedrock of many professional communities, mine included. Right. So when those two forces kind of meet, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's on fire right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I love what you said. I wrote it down. I'm like, I'm, over a page into notes with this conversation. It's so great. Thank you. <laughs> I love what you said. It's about shared identity. This, the shared identity, I think, is a really great concept. Um, I know yours, people are looking for these big deals, mega deals. They're, they're looking for this. Let's talk about why that matters so much. I, I, I have this philosophy, this belief that talent is a gift, but growth is a choice. And um, we are gifted to have different talents that we can take advantage of, but we have to choose growth. It's like the matrix. You got to choose red pill over blue pill, right? And uh, the difference between matrix, you take it once and then it's done with, with growth. It's an everyday choice you got to make, right? That's right. And and so purpose is part of making that choice. Um, But when you say, I want to grow, like, let's use your community. I want to sit in your community for a while. I want to get good at landing these big deals. And I've reached out to Jamal because you're the Sherpa on the top of the mountain that can get me there. And I want that identity as someone who can do the $50 million deal, the $15 million deal, the $100 million deal, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so they're choosing growth because they want that as part of their identity. Um, Can you, you got any thoughts about like what that means to choose growth rather than just try to grow? So there's, there's, there's the what and there's the how. Okay. Or there's the what and there's the what and there's the why. That's probably a better way to say it. The what is that uh, sell, you know, uh, this select group of sellers are attracted to this community yep. to get this result, right? The what, the, the mega deal, the large, the enterprise sale, the complex sale, that's attractive. But my first, my, my first session when we, because we're still in beta, and I only opened it to people who had already, you know, take, you know, watched one of my webinars or took one of my courses in the masterclass, whatever. And in the very first meeting, I said, I want you to tell me our why. Why are we a community and why are we here? I know the what you all want to learn how to do this big stuff. But what about the why? And I was amazed and shocked at the uh, the commonality of everyone's why. Cause I asked them all, it was like 20, 20 sellers and to a T almost every one of them said, because I want to make sure that I can provide well for my family and I can have balance in life 
and I can find a way to overachieve, not just have a job, but I have something that I can measure and I can overachieve almost to a T. They, they said that um, independently. So there was a huge amount of shared what and shared why. And now that we put those things together, we're really starting to cook. We're still in beta, but now we're all aligned. We're, we, we completely see, hey, you're just like me. You're trying to go to the same mountain and you're trying to go the same way for the same reasons. Let's right. do this together. And there's a huge amount of energy and volition in those ideas. So you just used another word that I love. So this commonality of ideas, this commonality of interest, this unified sense of purpose, we're going back to where we started, it created energy. And so I didn't even anticipate this coming up. So is that something that is, is that a reason that sales leaders ought to be trying to help people in this quest on their own? Like maybe even suggesting communities that they're joining in their own, their own journeys because the energy that it creates. All, all I can tell you, Rob, is every time I meet with my community, I leave the meeting with more energy than I had when it started. Okay. So this activity of commonality, uh, of sharing and acting on common identity and interests, it 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 bring as you just said, it it brings energy. Whereas making a number is pulling a boulder behind you up a mountain. Oh, what a great analogy! At the end of which, you know, at the end of that sojourn, you're left exhausted and you have to recover. So if you can, if you can bring, it, it's almost like bringing your own solar panels along, you know, <laughs> this, this, this source of energy that you have in the back of the truck. So you can, you can make that trip without, without burning out, you know, I mean, because if you're, if you're doing it, it if you're a seller selling for the right reasons and you're doing it with purpose, it is not a slog. It is, it's like uh I don't know. It's, 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 uh, be, being in the zone, you know, it's, it's, it's being at peace and, and acting on your purpose and you never get tired of that. Well, the, one of the reasons I love this, uh, Jamal, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. You can see like my, my animation on through the cameras I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> um, sales leaders, I'm going back to sales leaders. So our, our listeners, we've got 20,000 sales leaders that are listening to you and me talk right now. And, um, which is a community in and of itself. Right. And, okay. One of the challenges, and you know this because you're a sales leader, uh, we, we invest heavily in training salespeople. We have sales process, sales tools, sales training. But when you become a sales leader, very few organizations have specifically sales leadership training. There's some generic leadership training, but not specific to sales. Um, sales leadership systems or process, you know, the tools you usually have are limited to some rolled up dashboards from your CRM system. And uh, we're, we're kind of left to figure it out on our own, Right. Yeah. And, and so I coach a lot of sales leaders and, uh, and, and we feel that energy you talked about with, cause it's such a small world of sales leaders. If you look at all of the people in sales, the sales leadership part is a small subset and most of us are on our own. And that's why I think when they have to realize I got to invest in myself, I got to take charge of my own career and how I get there. Because once you, especially once you get to leadership, you can't expect the company to start like helping you drive what's next because most of the time sales leaders are left on their own. And so finding communities like yours 
where you can have like-mindedness. You can have the common identity. You can build that energy that you've given me. Look, I'm talking faster. I'm talking louder right now, right? I love you calling it having a solar panel on the back of your truck that keeps the battery charged because I think that's a big, big deal. Um, you know, if you want to have massive success, you're going to have to have massive speed and speed requires energy. And uh, it's, it's a tough job that we have. And so I think that this community is really, really a good idea to help fuel those, those battery cells that we're talking about that are so difficult for sales leaders to find ways to, to fuel. So it's also a place to, um, how do I say this? It's, um, to, to release, to, to get some, some bad stuff out, you know, you need ventilation in any kind of building, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're stuck in the house with your, your, your own team all the time, the air gets really stale. And what I'm finding is that communities give us a space to be around people who are like us, other sellers, but they're not from our same company. So we don't have the same, uh, we don't have to adhere to every part of a company's culture because we're a part of something bigger when we're together. Um, you don't have your boss looking over your shoulder about what you're doing and saying when you're with a community because it's a different it's a different environment and you can just let loose. And so often, you know, somebody will say something, and, and I don't want to make this sound like it's a it's always a, a therapy session, but when somebody gets a little bit vulnerable and saying, Hey, here's a struggle I'm going through. Either I haven't made my number in three quarters, or I'm having some um, uh, mental issues that I'm dealing with. I'm feeling depressed or whatever. It's amazing how many others kind of raise their hand and say, wow, I didn't know. I, I thought I was the only one, you know, and all of a sudden 20, 30% of the group is relating to the person that shared that vulnerability. So it's it, communities are a way to ventilate the, the, the pressure zones that sellers find themselves in so often. It's just, it's just part of the game. So we got about 10 minutes left is all, man. I can't believe how fast this has gone. Uh, Jamal, it, it, I, I told you it would, and it always does. And this has been really, we've never hit this topic before. So I'm, I'm super appreciative that you would come on and talk with our leaders about it. So in the few minutes that we have left, because we've got a few things we're going to do, any thoughts? I want to shift to this, this idea of growth as a choice. Any, any, any thoughts you might share with your fellow sales leaders? You're a sales leader. You've led teams. You, you continue to work with groups. Um, any thoughts you might share on how you might help people make that choice of growth rather than just being a hard worker? Because I don't think it's enough to just say, I'm going to be a hard worker, right? We want to feel like we're choosing that growth and whether it's diving into purpose or it's joining and participating in communities. Any thoughts about the responsibility or, or some ways that they might help the members of their team make that choice of growth? Um, well, that's a, that's a really, really great question. Um, well, one of the, so something that helps me choose growth is to see inspirational examples. Hmm. So if you're, if you're a sales leader, you don't have to be a guru and you don't have to be a superhero, but you can be an inspirational human being. Um, my dad would always teach me that leadership is not a title. It's a behavior. Anybody in an organization can exhibit leadership. So even if you're not feeling like Caesar in front of the Roman Legion, you know, through your actions and 
you'd be amazed to see how your reps can start to emulate what you do if you start trying new things and being uncomfortable for the sake of learning something new to expand your skill set, to expand your perspective, and to, you know, to get into your customer's shoes, whatever it is, if they see you doing it, they're much more likely to do it themselves. That, that's one. Um, love sorry, that. you want to you say something? No, I just love it. I, I think the idea of leaders going first, I, I, one of the, the best things you, can sh- you could do, I like the idea as I'm thinking of the extending what you said, sharing with your team what you're doing to choose growth. Like let them see you do it. Let them see and be part of your journey as you're choosing growth. Maybe you're hiring a coach. Maybe you're doing some things. You're joining a community. Maybe you're doing some of these things and you share what you're doing. So they realize growth is a lifelong thing. It's not just you do for a minute and then you graduate and then you're done, right? I mean, one thing that I'm very clear, uh, not only within my community, but in some of the learning experiences that I offer, like I have a master class. And so I'm a big, naturally, because I offer that, I'm also a big proponent saying, hey, everybody can use a mentor. Everybody can use a coach. I'm looking for my next mentor. Yeah. When, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotting. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just want to get to whatever the next level is because that's, uh, it, it's like a never ending mountain. It's, it's not like you need to get tired as you're walking up it, but you got to know that there's always the next peak you can get to at, at, where, at whatever level you're at. Yes, that is, that's awesome. Let's, let's finish on that. Let's shift into the way that we kind of start to wrap up the show. I'm going to ask you our rapid fire questions. Uh, we'll give everybody a chance to learn how to get a hold of you and your masterclass and your books and some of the things like that. Uh, and then we'll give you one like kind of last chance to have your final thoughts on these topics we've talked about today. And before you know, we'll be out of time. Is that, is that cool? If, uh, right when we wrap let's this up, it. okay. Let's start with the rapid fire. Okay. Biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now, and 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 how do you go about beating it? Um, in well, in my experience, the biggest leadership challenge that we have right now is um, complex selling because I'm in a I'm in a world where the decisions that are made of of anything that we sell are are very high, and so to get there, it it's a it's a team experience. It's it's me. It's other sellers, it's our CEO, it's our head of product. So that's a, a huge problem is getting very high in an organization because the bigger the thing that you sell, the more stakeholders that it takes to, to uh, sign a contract. Even in the non-pharma world, even in the less complex world, I think that the world has changed such that there's no non-complex deals anymore. You know, mm. Like $20,000 deals are requiring multiple people to look at right now in some places, right? Crazy. You're, you're doing 20 million, 50 million, hundred million dollar deals, but, but even people that are chasing ARR average deal sizes of 35, 40, 50 grand, 20 grand, you know, there's a lot of people involved. So yes, that idea of complex selling, I think is super smart. Uh, the more people we are seeing more and more people that have to be won over. Uh, and, and so I think that's a really great one. And thank you for your insight on how to overcome that. Let's shift to the second one. This is like the fan favorite. This is the question we started asking because the, the listeners asked me to, and I, I, I get more feedback on this one than almost anything else. When you are hiring a team, when you are building your team, do you have a go-to interview question or topic that you, you really is a go-to for you? Uh, what is it? And what are you looking for when you leverage that one? I mean, we, we, we we've covered it which is the why, right? I, I, I really ask, what's your why? Why are you here? 
Why are you in sales? What do you want out of, uh, you know, what's the why in your life? That's, that's the big one. I love it. I could have another episode with you on that because there's so many things that people ask me. They're like, Rob, when I try to ask them that they're uncomfortable telling me. And I feel like that's a real good indicator of the culture you built personally, if they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you about that. Right. Yeah. Um, last one leaders quite often are readers. The reason for that is the best leaders, the elite leaders are like you said, you, I loved what you said when you're green, you're growing. And when you're ripe, you're rotten. Uh, the best leaders don't want to get rotten. So they continue to grow. One of the places they like to do is what you do. Like, you wrote a book. People want to read your book. Uh, do you have any, other than the one you wrote that we'll talk about here in a second, any books or, or even other sources of, of uh, info that you would suggest our listeners consume by either reading or, or subscribing to? I mean, so from a sales, from a sales perspective, I really like the qualified sales leader. It's a great book. Great book. Um, a non-sales book that I find very useful in sales is a book that's called The Power of Moments. Also it's, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome book. Um, and then I, it's not, it's not reading so much, but I watch a lot of YouTube about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. That's awesome. Those guys hand out so much wisdom about human nature as they're talking about investing. And, you know, we're creatures, sellers are creatures of human nature. The more we understand it, the more, you know, the more that we can swim in that river, we're going to do a better job. And I just, especially Charlie Munger, he, he comes up with a lot of stuff. He's got this one uh, doc, uh, document that he wrote that is called something like the 24 like traits of misunderstanding of men or something like that. It's these, it's these 24 traits that, that human beings, um, where, where we misfire and it's, and it's so true about human beings work. It's just, I find both of them to be really inspirational, uh, not just inspirational, just, they got really great insights about human nature. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing those. I really, really appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's, let's start to wrap now. How, how do people get more of you? This has been a fantastic conversation, Jamal. I, even better than I, I expected or hoped it would be. I, I, I love too, your right? insights. Okay. I, I love, love your insights. How do our listeners connect to you? How do they get more of you? Tell us about your book, how they get it. We'll put the link to get a hold of it in our show notes. Okay. Uh, just those types of things. How do they get more of you? How do they keep the conversation? How do they learn more about your community? All of that. I mean, I think the one-stop shop would be just my LinkedIn profile. I got a bunch of stuff that's in the featured section. So how to, how to, how to get my book. I mean, you can also get the book. It's called mega deal secrets. Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it from my website. The link to my website is on the featured section. I do a, a webinar about, you know, the five shifts about what it takes to do really large deals. That's a free webinar. You can watch it anytime that's accessible from the featured section on my LinkedIn uh, profile. And I also um, I'm doing more and more with my, what's called the a list. That's my email list. And it's going to kind of turn into a newsletter. And so that's also free. That's free. And it's, it's also there. So I would just stop by uh, uh, my LinkedIn profile, the, 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 the masterclass that I do, which is all about how to, it's called mega deal secrets, all, you know, the same name as the book. And you can go to megadealsecrets.com or you can just look it up on my, on my profile. Sorry about that. I accidentally muted it, everyone. Um, uh, my advice, first of all, thanks for that. My advice is to connect to Jamal, check out those materials. Uh, there's a reason he's known as the mega secrets, the mega deal guru. 
Um, let's wrap this up right now. And, and, uh, any final thoughts on what we talked about today, Jamal, just as we put a bow on the things we talked about, is there a couple of last couple things you'd say to really, really reinforce what you think will, will help sales leaders all around the world, lead their teams with more purpose and, and with, with more identity and, and more shared energy. I guess if I'm, if I wrap up all these concepts, it's how, how I see the, the, the different worlds of selling the old way or, you know, the way that the, the, the easy to see, but really, yeah, just call it the old way. That's kind of like run rate sales. You're just chugging along with no harder soul. And it's just the kind of the, the, the gun for hire mentality. The other way is what I call selling above the clouds. You know, you, you, you struggle to ever get there because not everybody gets to see it because they don't even know it's there. But like a plane flight, you know, when you take off, you got all this power through the takeoff. You got all the turbulence making it through the clouds. When you break through the clouds, it's nothing but sunlight. Everything calms down. And, you know, you get that great message. You're now free to move about the cabin. That's a totally different kind of selling. That's when you're selling to much more senior stakeholders who speak much more plainly with you, who can cut through all kinds of red tape to just get to the heart of the problem and get to the heart of the solution to be able to deliver real impact to a business with doing a really large but fully justified deal because of all the value that would be in it. If you can point your reps toward that, that path is filled with ways of engaging through meaning and purpose and energy and community. It's all there. If you just, one, if you know it's there and you bring your reps to that way of selling. That's a perfect way to finish. I appreciate you. Uh, He is helping sales organizations all around the world learn to look past the number. He's helping them find ways to connect and and, and win those giant deals. He's built a community to help people find that like-mindedness and the energy that comes from it. My advice is to make sure that you tap into some of that energy that Jamal's helping build. His name is Jamal Reimer. Jamal, thanks so much for joining us. I wish you a fantastic year in the year to come. And as I say to everybody, happy selling. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Happy selling to you too. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, and great sales training in place, but you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, sales leadership tools, sales leadership training. Most organizations just don't have sales leadership systems. And while there are no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. Now, if you liked this podcast, you're going to love the sales leadership content in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all our podcasts chopped down into three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. 
You'll find all of my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training, and new content coming out every single week. You'll find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Tap into proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head to Sales Leadership United. Now, I really enjoyed this conversation with Jamal. Jamal is famous in the sales community for being a big deal guru. And and, and interestingly, we didn't really talk about the big deal topics. Um, We may have him come back another time to talk about that. Because I think what we talked about today, purpose, is more important than it's ever been. This concept concept of tapping into purpose and fueling purpose, you know, that's so very important right now. Just today, as I was uh, doing my job, I was, I, was, I was speaking with a VP of sales that's having a ton of success. And he told me that right now his people are being contacted by other organizations almost every day and that he's being contacted by recruiters almost every week. And while there's a lot of reasons why people stay, it was really interesting to me why he told me why he wasn't interested in exploring opportunities with recruiters right now. And it's because he's filled with so much purpose and fulfillment in the job he's doing now. Listen, he understands he's been in the places where it was just the number. He's been in places where your value as a salesperson has just boiled down to how much you can sell. But in the organizations he's in now, he's finding fulfillment in the mission and several other things that made that fueled purpose for him. He has very specific things that fuel purpose. And so as a sales leader, it's really important for you to understand what fuels purpose for each of the reps on your team. Back to the guy that I was referring to, his purpose came in way more than just the numbers. It was more than just the salary. It was more than just the commissions. It was more than just the stock options. It was the connection he had to the company that he helps lead. It was the connection to the people that are on that team and how he helps them. And I tried to hire this guy uh, a few years ago when his company was was very young. Very people knew who his company was. And I was trying to get him to, to take a key role in, in my company. And I didn't get him for very specific reasons related to purpose. I offered him more of almost everything, but the purpose he had there kept him there. And today, several years later, his team is having remarkable success and tons of people know who the company is and, of course, who he is. And that's why he's getting recruited so much right now. But his team is is killing it. Um, they're having great success. And at a time when people are switching jobs faster than I've ever seen, and yes, that reshuffling is very, very real, This concept of purpose is something that will help you with your team more than you may know. And and this concept I'm talking about is to help create purpose, to help connect to something more than just the OTE. I love the analogy that Jamal used of salespeople being a gun for hire because that's how we're treated. Your people are treated as guns for hire. I can go sell anything I might as well sell where I can have the best situation. He went one step farther and called it the needle for the junkie. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. It's a great conversation. But the elite sales leaders find ways to have collective senses of purpose. This collective why that's fueled by a collective what. I loved how how Jamal really dove into this. Because this, I agree with what he said. The collective purpose, this idea of having shared purpose, it brings energy. It brings this fuel. And it is something that absolutely revs the engine. 
And I loved, loved, loved the, the example that Jamal gave that just chasing a number, it leaves you exhausted. He compared it to dragging a boulder up a hill. And so keep this in the front of your mind as you lead your team. We're early in the year. We're in February. Uh, we're hopefully getting off to good starts. And this idea of purpose as fuel, this is something that will really, really help you. And so what I guess this means is you should spend time individually in your one-on-ones sharing your purposes. You should share some of your purpose. You should ask them to share their purpose. Share what you care about. Share why what you do matters and why you're willing to commit precious cycles of your career in this endeavor. I mean, think about that. We all have limited cycles in our professional career, and we better make sure we're using them in ways that really give us something that we value. And while you're going to get lots of energy in sharing this with each other in the one-on-one, you're going to even get more if you can find ways to share them at the team level. Because that's going to bring extreme levels of energy. You're going to have all of this bubbling and boiling up to the top. And this may, this may be more important than it's ever been given the current work-from-home environment and how much it's a candidate's environment. Man, your salespeople are going to get hit up. Okay, So this is going to be something that will make it hard to recruit them. So I guess I that I guess want to start to wrap this thing up with reminding you that just hitting a number won't bring the kind of fulfillment that tapping into purpose will bring. And if you have the right culture and you nurture the relationships the right way, your team will share these things with you. And as a result, you'll have the opportunity to help fuel that purpose to accomplish things they care about even more than just hitting the number. Now, Jamal said one more thing that I haven't ever stopped thinking about. He said, leadership's a title. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Leadership isn't a title. It's a behavior. I'm going to say that one more time because I screwed it up. Jamal said leadership isn't a title. It's a behavior. So double down this week on your behaviors as a leader. Share your commitment to growth and change. Have people see this. More important, have them experience this. Don't just have them hear this. Remember, leadership is about do as I do, not do as I say. Or maybe I should say it differently. It's about do as I do, not just do as I say. And if you lead this way, if you show your members of your team that you're committed to growth, they are much more likely to follow suit. And if they end up choosing growth as a result, then you can create life-changing years with each member of your team. And that is a purpose everyone can get behind. Jamal, my man, thanks so much for joining me this week. I love your leadership insights. I appreciate you sharing your story and the amazing lessons you've learned in your remarkable career. The things you shared today will help every single one of our listeners, regardless of how long they've been leading sales teams. I appreciate your leadership insights and encourage every one of our listeners to connect with you and check out your thoughts and approach to leadership. To everyone, take Jamal's advice and learn what fuels each of the individuals on your team. Create a culture where they share with you, and as a result, you will help them get there. Now, if you want to see video snippets of this conversation in three to five minute chunks on topics that you care about most, head over to Sales Leadership United. I'll be dropping in videos from this and other episodes throughout every week. And if you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United, give it a look. I think you'll be glad you did. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow faster than I ever imagined. And to each of you, there is no show if not for you. And if you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. 
And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.